0: You're listening to Talk with Renee Dallow, episode 126. Talk about building personal wealth with Erin Bridgman. As a money management and mindset coach, Erin Bridgman empowers female entrepreneurs to design a business that's not just profitable, but actually grows their personal wealth. Born with an entrepreneurial spirit, Erin cut her chops by scaling her photography business to over six figures in under two years, affording her the capital to begin funding the real estate empire she and her husband now run. Ever passionate about supporting women as they uncover their own potential and earning power, Erin supports female business owners to not just scale their business, but to use it as a means for building personal wealth. Today, Erin brings her smarts and her sass to our show. And folks, I cannot wait for you to hear what she's got to say. So go grab your coffee, grab your tea, put down your limiting money mindsets, and let's talk it out. Welcome to Talk with Renee Dallow, biz chat for wedding pros and creatives. Tune in every week for no BS real talk from industry experts that want to help you thrive in your business and your life. Here's your host, event planner, educator, and sushi addict, Renee Dallow. Grab a glass and get ready to talk it out. Hey, guess what? The Wedding Summit Series is back. Last year, over 7,000 wedding pros joined the first two Wedding Summit Series events all about community and design. But this time around, we're talking all about client experience. Ensure less stress in your business, gain time for your family and life, and make more money with a rave-worthy client experience. I am so thrilled for you to see my talk about phase three polish, how to get your clients over the finish line with finesse. Like all the other summits, this is the only place I'm teaching this material and I've never taught it before and I'll likely never teach it again. Now, I know you've seen a lot of summits out there, but this one is different. Most summits and online events really try to tackle the entire scope of running a wedding business, and really they only scratch the surface of every topic. But the Wedding Summit series is so different because it focuses on one topic at a time. We go deep to ensure that you leave having mastered the topic area and are ready to implement right away. And there's not a single person out there listening who could not benefit from a more enhanced client experience. So join me March 7th through 11th. Grab your free ticket at reneedallowcom forward slash experience. That's rene.dallo.com forward slash experience, and I'll see you at the Wedding Summit series. Hello, hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of Talk with Renee Dallo. It's me, your girl, Renee Dallo, here with someone who is about to be your new favorite person, Miss Erin Bridgman. Erin, how are
1: you today? Great. Oh, my goodness. I'm so excited to chat all things money. Listen,
0: we like talking about money around here. We are not afraid of it, or even if we are afraid of it, we do it anyway. Money is not a dirty word. One of my like core beliefs in my business is just like women need to be making money, real money. So I'm always thrilled to have a wealth expert here, especially because today we're talking about how to use your wedding business or for those of you, you know, listening that are not specifically wedding pros, creatives, create how to how to get creatives to use their business for personal wealth. Because a lot of times we talk on the show about getting your business finances in order, but today we're talking about personal and I'm on board and I'm psyched.
1: Yes, 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 yes. I love it. (laughs) So let's just
0: dive in. So like I said, we've done other episodes about like making sure your business is financially healthy, right? Mm
1: -hmm. So what is the difference between that and actually growing your personal wealth? Well, I think it comes down to a couple of things really it's a combination of both our mindset and sort of our management of the business numbers and the personal numbers. So let's start with mindset for a minute and just say, you know, some patterns I see with female entrepreneurs in particular, because that's who I work with, is they're more apt and more likely to reinvest back in their business. So they would rather take the profitability of their company and put it into their business. And they're a lot more concerned when it comes to increasing their salary. Many times they aren't paying themselves a consistent salary. And so right there, I think we're telling ourselves our subconscious and we're you know, that the business is more worth it than we are. And I think that's, you know, some mindset work that we have to do and uh, really, really important mindset work. And I, I'm I'm obviously, as an educator and a coach, a huge proponent of reinvesting in your business. Uh, but I'm also like, let's also look at the other side of this and really work to look at our personal goals, our personal finances, and see how the business can really impact us in that area. Yeah. Why
0: do you think so many of us um, don't pay ourselves a salary? Like, do you think it's sort of like a fear of success thing? Or do you think it's just societally like we just put our businesses first and ourselves second
1: oftentimes this problem with we don't actually know the numbers inside of our business Mm -hmm. so and we're afraid to know the numbers and I talk about sort of the different reasons why someone might be afraid of the numbers but so what happens then is you're kind of in the dark you don't really know what you might know at least like what you're bringing in but that doesn't mean you know that on a cash flow annual basis it doesn't mean that you kind of understand the profitability and then then of course you not having the knowledge makes it you fearful of paying yourself and paying yourself consistently so you sort of just, okay, I'm just going to keep keeping the business. I'm going to it. I'm going to save it for a rainy day. I'm going to save it for my business. And so there's definitely a huge management piece to that. Yeah. And then as I work with women, you, you know, and we dig into the mindset stuff, a, a very common pattern I see is this idea of worthiness. And mm-hmm. many times that's what a lot of our actions kind of boil down to is this I don't feel worthy to make the money to pay myself, and and that's of course one common pattern I've seen. It, it could be other things, but um, that's a that's a very common one. Is this sort of grappling with? It's easier to invest it in other people or into my business, but then when it's about paying me, you're rubbing up against this sort of worthiness conversation.
0: Yeah, I I feel like I had a little bit of that in my my middle years. You know, like my my teenage business years. <laughs> when my business was like a pimply teenager, when I was just like I very much I cuz I got in I got in this like on this I, almost in my mind it was like a little bit of a treadmill of like reinvest 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 reinvest. So much so that one year when I looked at what I had spent, I was like, "Wow, what in the world?" Like it was the first year we had hit six figures. And I remember not having much to show for it because I had reinvested so much of it instead of getting a schedule to pay myself. And I remember feeling a lot of feelings about it, mostly just like, oh my God, I'm totally mismanaged this. Like I felt a lot of shame about it, but then I had to flip it for myself mindset wise and say like, okay, well, this is a huge lesson. And now we know, and I keep a very detailed ca- cash flow spreadsheet for each of my businesses. So I know exactly what's coming in and what I'm spending. And I love it. And now like, and now it's to the point, it was funny. I had this very, like, I had, the, I had a conversation with myself <laughs> as it, cause I'm, you know, it's me over a $180 <laughs> purchase in my education business. It was like a matter what it was, but it was something that it was either $180 a year to keep doing it the way I was doing it, or I could bundle it into a, to a tool that already had this thing that I was using. And I literally went back and forth about it for like two weeks about like, well, it's $180 and do I need to spend it? And mm. and ultimately I decided that I didn't need to spend it because it was literally a duplication of something else I had. But in year whatever, three, I would have been like, it's fine. Don't be afraid to spend money. <laughs> Mm-hmm. now I'm kind of on the opposite where I think I'm a little more nuanced about about all this, but it's definitely something I think is a journey. Like if you're someone listening and you're still still in the early years of your business, like please don't feel um like a lot of shame or failure or a lot of emotions about it. It's
1: just something we have to learn as female entrepreneurs, I think absolutely. it's it's a a delicate journey that we have to lead ourselves on and be courageous in. and, you know, be transparent with ourselves and really dig into uh, the layers of why, why we're acting the way that we are.
0: Yeah. I mean, some of it can also be, and like we've talked about on the show before, for those of you who listen uh, regularly, it's like, you know, every time we talk about money, I end up talking about like my childhood, right. And and our family's relationship with money, because it, it keeps coming back up for, not just for me, but for everyone. Um, and I think it's okay to, to acknowledge that for yourself, if you're listening and you're like, but I don't know where that you know, attitude about money is coming from, it's like, well, it's possibly coming from something that wasn't your fault, but something that's just in your environment, you know,
1: Oh my goodness. I love that you brought that up because I actually just sent an email to my audience yesterday talking about how it's not your fault. And obviously we look into our childhood, we see um, where the root of some of our patterns are, are coming from. And we've put these messages on repeat for 20, 30 years. So of course they're ingrained in our subconscious. And then we've got to do the work to rewire those thinking, that thinking, but, Beyond just our family, like beyond just, you know, our parents and those types of things, you have to think about like the societal foundations that we're coming out of. I mean, and I was talking about like it wasn't, but it was in the 1960s that women could open their own bank account, which blows my mind. I mean, it wasn't until the 1970s that a woman could open her own credit card separate from a man. I mean, this is within like 100 years of society. And so we know that those underlying foundational things are a massive part of what has us in this state of thinking. And so I think, you know, we have a long way to go, but I believe that as female entrepreneurs, we're on the front lines of this sort of movement of stepping into our power and into our wealth. Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: So, okay, we talked about the financial challenge of not paying ourselves a little bit. What are the other financial
1: challenges that that really keep wedding pros and creatives from building their own personal wealth? Yeah, so it's very important that you understand your personal finances. And I think sometimes people do work on their business finances at some level. They at least have the first few steps of hopefully having a PL sheet and um, different things like that. But we got to take that into our personal life. And so when I work with women, I love to like, let's set and let's see like, what is your actual budget? What do you have that you, what money do you need to live on every month? And then we think through what are your short-term goals? What are your long-term goals? So the, I kind of have like five or six different categories for that. And then this clarity around those numbers. And then like, okay, this is your current budget, but what do you want your lifestyle budget to be? you know, do you want the housekeeper? Do you need, you know, do you want additional money for date nights or whatever, um, gives us such specificity, specificity in the, the money that we want to manifest into our personal life. And then, you know, if you can see, if I start paying myself $2,000 more a month and I keep it consistent, That means I can pay off all my debt in six months, or that means I can have a savings of $20,000, which feels really good. Or that means I can start to afford X, Y, and Z, and um, our motivation will be so, so much more dialed in. And so I think that's a huge piece of it is knowing our personal numbers and getting really in touch with the motivation for that. So then the work we do in our business, we see a very clear connection from that into our our personal money. Yeah, I love that because the motivation for
0: like, for instance, your example of like getting a housekeeper, right, that could be enough motivation to even dig into this work that might be scary, right? Like, well, if I if I know my numbers and I know I need a, I want a housekeeper, I want that lifestyle switch. Yeah, I think that's sometimes the things that motivates us to take that good hard look. And then also, you know, as you were talking, I, I was thinking about my own life and like, there are some things that I spent money on pre-pandemic that um aren't relevant for me anymore. Like I used to rent um clothes because I used to go out almost every night to a networking event or something. And so that felt like a very worthy thing to spend money on in 2019. But now in 2022, I the amount of time I spent out of the house is pretty is pretty <laughs> limited. Right. And um it's not like I stopped buying clothes during the pandemic. So uh so I had to again reassess and say like kind of on the flip side of that, like what else could I could I be spending this particular amount of money for, um, that would impact my life in a greater way than this closed rental. Right. turns out it's a housekeeper, which is why, which brings us back to your point. Um, (laughs) yes, but I, I love that. And I also, a lot of times when we talk about outsourcing and financial conversations about our business, we're talking about like hiring a virtual assistant. Right. But, outsourcing is also hiring a housekeeper i have a good friend who has a house manager so she Mm -hmm. has um she owns a business actually she has two businesses and her husband owns a business and they have two kids and so she hired someone uh, above and beyond a housekeeper this woman comes in and cooks their meals makes sure that the kids do their homework like it's organizes closets like all the stuff in in your in their house that is kind of not getting done or or getting kind of half-assed this home manager does and i i think it's great i think it's great that she identified That she needed it and then worked her budget so that she could have it. I think it's great.
1: Yeah. And actually, that was a shift that I made this past year. And I think it goes back to that, you know, mindset thing we were talking about at the beginning, where it's like it's easy to reinvest it in our business, but it's harder to do it, you know, in our personal life. And so I started to look at, you know okay if if my hourly rate is whatever and i'm sitting here doing folding laundry like that is you know yeah. 15 20 an hour work and my husband and i we have a baby uh we've got another one on the way we manage like three different businesses and so you you have to get like super serious about like where is my time best spent And where is my money best spent? And so, yeah, we outsource grocery shopping and cooking and laundry and organizing and watering our plants and all of those things. And I think that it was a, you know, it was understanding the money and and understanding my numbers and, you know, my hourly rate and all that stuff, but also like having the push inside of myself that it's like, it's okay for me to outsource and um, giving myself that permission. Absolutely. And I think, too, like we underestimate the
0: amount of time and energy it takes to like go grocery shopping. Right. Like I'm a big fan of Instacart. I Instacart once a week at least because the amount of time I spend, especially in L.A., driving anywhere to get groceries, it's like I could be working on a presentation. I could be building something in my business that's revenue generating. Um, and I can't do that when I'm at the grocery store. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. You know. You said something to me when we were offline that I found so interesting. I want you to tell everyone about it. You said that in your business, you focus more on empowering people's strengths versus fixing their weaknesses. Tell me about that.
1: Sure. So I don't know if your audience is familiar with the Strengths Finder, but it's a assessment based all in positive psychology. And it's something that I'm super passionate about. I'm a certified coach with. And, you know, the premise of this is you know what if instead of focusing on the areas where we're not as naturally gifted we're not um as prone to like what if we put more time energy focus into our natural areas of strength and how would that impact our success and so i think many times as especially women we look at our lives and we look at like okay this isn't working really well or i'm not very good at you know, being organized or whatever it is. Okay, I'm going to really 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 work on that. And when I'm in these conversations and we're we're looking at people's strengths from like an actual like assessment result, but also just generally, I think our time is much better spent where we can like let's pretend like we have a scale. If you could only ever become a 6 on the scale of 1 to 10 in an area, it would be more beneficial for us to spend time really harnessing places you could become tens. And so, um I think that leaning into our natural giftedness is so important. And then, you know, of course, and it's like, well, what happens when you're not, you know, there's a weakness, you know, and and right. i I define weakness as anything that gets in the way of your success or somebody else's success. And so just because you're not naturally talented in something doesn't mean it really has, it means it's a weakness. But um, if you come up against this where you're like, this is really causing me to show up in the world in a way that I don't want to, then it, then there's things that you can do. There's software you can get if you're not organized. There's, <laughs> yes. there's calendars. There's people that you can hire that can help you you know, manage those things. There's partnerships you can create those types of things and I love to say let's focus more on on those types of things and then really get you to own and harness like who you are. Yeah. And so I'm really passionate about that and helping women build their confidence and and really own who they are in the world cuz that's how we can make the greatest impact. I love that. Aaron, what are some areas that the strength test measures? Is it is it different all the time or are there standard like um mm-hmm. benchmarks? So there are 34, what we call 34 themes. And so when I'm working with my clients one-on-one, this is actually the first the first thing that we do. It just helps set up our relationship up as coach and client um, and understanding each other, but then just really starts to build into that confidence piece. And so we see the top five from there and um, all different areas of like, how you think, how you build relationships, how you influence, how you execute. And it kind of like, those are the four domains that we categorize the strengths into. And so it really gives us um, a language and an ability to really see how somebody shows up in, in the world. And so that's kind of, does that explain? Yeah, it does.
0: I, I, I'm a big fan of like the Enneagram and the four (laughs) tendencies. I, if there's a personality test that I have not taken, this is one I have not taken. Uh, I'm always very interested. I'm like, wait, tell me more about me. Okay, because, well, because you... I'm a Gemini only child, and that's how we that's how we operate. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: I'm obviously biased, but the StrengthsFinder is, I think, huge in a lot of like corporate America and higher education settings have used and are using this assessment, and I think it's a big, beautiful gift to bring into the world of entrepreneurship.
0: I love it. I'm going to dive in more to that once uh, once we f- finish I'll recording. Send, I'll send you some stuff.
1: Yeah, please do. So here's what I
0: wanted to, um, I really want to get into your story because I think a lot of times when we start talking about the phrase personal wealth, I think a lot of people and I'm, I'm going to go on the limb and say a lot of listeners think, okay, Renee, well, that's great, but I don't have quote unquote wealth. Like I haven't made six figures yet. I'm not wealthy. And so they're like, well, what could I possibly invest with a few thousand dollars? And so I want you to share your story about how you took eighteen thousand and and you know made that into a bunch of investments because I think that's really powerful and I know even if you're listening, eighteen might feel like that's a lot of money and it sure, but but it's not a million dollars, right? So (laughs) let's
1: put it in context. But Erin, tell us about it. Yeah, well, I just want to be so honest and relatable to those listening. Like, it's it's funny how life right takes us on this journey and. I remember back when I was a child and my father, who is one of my best friends and the biggest Cheerleader, one of the biggest cheerleaders of my life. <laughs> I remember when I was younger and he was like trying to teach me budgeting, which is so funny. Cause now this is what, like what I do for a living. And he was like, you know what, Aaron? I just give up on you. Like, this is just not working. Like, you know, and so That's Like, hilarious. Hey, like, like right? look at me now, dad, look at me now. <laughs> <laughs> so proud of, him. but just to say like, I was a little bit of a hot mess, you know? And part of that I think was, I just had Hey, there's just always more money. Why? You know, there was some good mindset stuff there, but also some bad practice. And so, um, wherever your listeners find themselves in their journey, just like, and you know, there's opportunity and, and, uh, (laughs) there's growth possible. So, yeah. So, um, I, then let's zoom way further ahead in my story. I had a photography business working in the wedding industry. And um, I started that kind of just out of a passion and like a lot of people do not necessarily thinking, Oh, I'm going to have a business, but I want to take photos. And I had a job where I was making very little money. I'm talking like $20,000 salary a year. And like my Apartment and stuff was paid for. So it was like poverty level living. And my husband and I were newlyweds. And I was like, okay, we're like this. We were both getting our master's degrees. And I was like, this, we got to figure this out. You know, we got to make more. And that's what I love to like emphasize is like, yeah, sure. Look at your expenses and look at your spending and cut back for sure. And, but I'd rather you spend more energy on, especially as an entrepreneur, how can you make more? Yes. So, yeah. And so, we saved up which was a lot of money for us at the time i mean it was this precious little pile of money we had in the bank account that i i was you know i like that cushion like let's just keep that there and feel really good and um Brent was a huge researcher and is a huge researcher and had been spending a lot of time researching real estate. And um, obviously, we both have the risky entrepreneur blood going through uh, us. And so we said, okay, we could pay off one student loan with $18,000. We had close to $100,000 in debt. Or we could take this $18,000 and we could make it work for us and we could pay off all of our debt. And of course, there's no guarantee, right? This is the other side of the story where that's what happened. But we were like, okay, let's take a risk. Let's, let's do this. And I remember the night before we were going, we were going to sleep and and I said, you know what, Brent, let's do it. Like if you you know, really think like, let's like, we can make this happen. Let's go for it. And I'm not kidding. The next morning I woke up, he wasn't in bed. He was on his bike. He called me. I'm looking for our first investor property. I'm like, I'm like, Oh He my was on God. fire. He was motivated. I love it. Yes. Yes. And so, uh, within a week we had found like the—it's just crazy—but this gem. And you know, I was I was working in ed, so we were right in the university town, which is amazing for rentals. And we bought our first. This is back in 2014. They bought bought our very first rental. It was it was a smashing success, to be honest. It was huge, and um, it did help us pay off all of our debt. And since then, we um we've scaled our real estate empire and you know it is you know I'm I'm really proud of us and grateful but (laughs) there are many stories where it's not so glamorous and you know we're like barely make it's like did we make like four dollars an hour on that like what just (laughs) happened you know or like I'm freaking like painting the front porch and he has like a shovel broken in half like you know in the crawl space digging he's like if i don't do this like we're going to lose money so i'm just going to do the work you know <laughs> but i think it's that grit and that ability to just like stick in the game that's yeah. helped us be really successful it's not that we just like touch everything we touch turns to gold or something it's you know um standing up and keeping like keeping on going and we now own a company where um we helped purchase um, and run through 85 houses and our goal is 180 this year. And so you can go from one house to that, you know, and there's nothing magical about it. It's just, you know, hard work and yeah, getting, getting support and all of that.
0: What I love about your story is it really speaks to the power of diversification. I know, you know, I, I, I've been around the wedding industry for a long time now, and I know that there is um, there tends to be this belief uh, that, quote unquote, like nobody becomes a millionaire working in weddings. Right. I've heard it. I think I've probably said it right on the show. <laughs> and I just want to say, like, for everyone listening, it's just it doesn't have to like getting personal wealth and like understanding your finances and and figuring out how you're going to make more money. It doesn't always have to be in your little niched corner of the world like it's okay to expand to real estate to to investments to the stock market like to whatever you need to do to create a solid base underneath of you you know i i know i've said this on the show that like you know mindy weiss and david Chatera are are millionaires and the rest of us are just doing okay <laughs> but mindy weiss and david Chatera got to be millionaires because they diversified their businesses, right? They have books, they have product lines, they have collaborations. And so even if you're listening and you're like, well, that's great, Aaron. I have no, I have no desire to become to get into real estate. Well, what about products? What about collaborations? What about, you know, what about expanding your brand? So I I want to just say that because I don't want anyone to listen and be like and turn off their ears and be like, oh, real estate, right? Or oh stock market. Like these are all valid. We're allowed to be multi-passionate and multi-faceted.
1: Absolutely. And that's just my story, right? Like that's where we chose to go and where we, you know, but we believe in multiple streams of revenue. Um, We're working on, you know, even though our annualized rate of return in real estate is crazy ridiculous, we're still working to also diversify and invest in the stock market. And I have a coaching business and we have, you know, Airbnbs and we have like a lot of different things going. I think it speaks to like, you know, a lot of us as creatives are dynamic and we like to do that and there's a way to do yes. that and a way I teach that you can't do it all r- right at once or it's not no it has to build it has to We're right. I mean,
0: doing this listen this is this is one of the things that I talked about a lot during the pandemic like during the lockdown of it all because I'm in LA and we were locked down for a while mm-hmm. is that like there were people outside of our industry asking my husband like how is Renee living and Joe's like well she, she has three different businesses right like <laughs> we make money from wedding planning we make money from public speaking and education and the podcast like all of these things are are revenue generating, not to the same extent, of course. But the reason you do that is so that if one falls away, like a wedding planning did for the last two years, you know, the other one sort of took its place. And it's it's just the smart way to live in, in society these days, right? Gone are the days where you work for one company your whole life and, you know, retire with the golden wristwatch or whatever the hell it was. I don't even know that life, <laughs> right? So it's not that anymore. It's just, it's not the way. So I love, you know, I'd love hearing about the real estate. I'd love hearing about all the different ways you're diversifying because it just makes me aware that there's so much possibility out there.
1: Yes, I love that you're saying that. It's just possibility. Allow allow it to be an abundant, expanding kind of conversation. How has your attitude about money changed over the years? Oh, (laughs) yes, that's such a good question. You know, I think I had in me like this streak of like, there's more out there. Like I had that, like, I remember my mom being, I'd be like, let's go out to eat or let's do this or let's. And she's like, Erin, you just think money grows on trees. And you know, while well, I
0: probably, <laughs> my mom used to say that to me too. She's like, where's this money coming from? I'm like, it's a hamburger. What is the problem? <laughs>
1: <laughs> so yeah, there's some child like naivety for sure. But I think I just was like, there's possibility there. and it, And I, I have access to it. And so I think, you know, that was in me, but I also grew up very influenced by the church and religion and, um, my, my parents, parents were blue collar and finances were really tight. Like my mom, I remember telling me like one year she like couldn't even get new clothes. And so she was embarrassed because her, her pants were too short and, you know, and so that, that definitely impacted me to think you know, sometimes have this scarcity. And I think one of my biggest limiting beliefs, and I see this a lot in entrepreneurship, and I am still having to, you know, nurture the conversations in my head, of course, that those things that that childhood upbringing certainly fostered some scarcity. But I think one of my bigger limiting beliefs and um, one that I still find myself you know, having to nurture the conversations in my head about now, and I see it as a common one for entrepreneurs, is this idea that I have to work really, really hard in order to make good money.
0: Yes. <laughs> I'm guilty of that as well.
1: I, I, I'm like a recovering workaholic, kind yeah. of. Yeah. Well, kind of recovering, I'm, I'm an, Kind of still doing it. <laughs> I'm an Enneagram three. I don't know. Me too. <laughs> so like work is more fun than fun. And so we love to work, but of course, there's this like unhealthy space where it's like, well, if I don't do it, if I don't grind, if I don't show up, if I don't, you know, then the the money won't come in. And that is definitely very limiting and can cause us to make some pretty fear-based decisions. So I think that is definitely, you know, I'm I'm grateful for my work ethic, but sometimes I think that has gotten in the way of me making abundant decisions. And so, yeah, I think that's been a big shift for me. That's a great way to
0: put it. I, I, cause I feel the same. I think sometimes, uh, that has gone in the way of my abundant thinking, although I constantly, not constantly, but I, it's a thing that I journal about a lot, right? My relationship with money or my scarcity or when money is scarce, like my panic, my feelings of panic about it, fully acknowledging that the level of scarce of like, what is a low amount has completely changed (laughs) from the days that I was a broke bartender, right? Like, um, and that—that that is growth, right? The fact that, that even the benchmark of what feels low to me is now so much higher than what was normal. You know what I mean? So I have to sort of acknowledge that it's all ongoing work, but um, I think it's important to talk about because uh, I think we all, maybe not everyone listening, but most people listening have some kind of money hang up, whether conscious or unconscious, that needs to be worked on in order to have everyone be health, healthier, uh, both emotionally and financially.
1: Yes. And we are we are on the journey too. Like... I think sometimes when when I sit across from my clients and I'm like, yeah, I have those thoughts too sometimes that I have to really work through. And they're like, you have those thoughts? I'm like, yeah, (laughs) like I'm still, that, you know, sometimes goes into negative patterns and I, I, you know, I just maybe have spent a little more time on some tools and some tapping in that like I can like access, but I still have those spaces. And so I want to be so honest about that.
0: Yeah, I agree. I love that. I could talk to you all day about building personal wealth, but uh, tell people where they can find you out in the world for, to continue this conversation with you one on one.
1: Well, my biggest platform that I'm most active on is Instagram. And um, since my parents decided to make me special and name me weird and nobody knows how to spell my name, I'm going to just spell it out. <laughs> so um, my handle is at Erin underscore Bridgman. So it's E-R-I-N-N underscore B-R-I-D-G-M-A-N. So that is where I am most active. I have some awesome free resources for Um, women who are interested in growing their wealth. I have a wealthy woman checklist with some training video trainings to really help you harness both your business and your personal numbers in order to scale your wealth. So I highly recommend that. And uh, we've got mastermind money intensives running. And so you could get on the wait list. And I just like send me a DM. Like if you want to chat, like I'm, I'm highly relational and I love just connecting with people.
0: I love it. And I love that you have an extra N. So it's Aaron with an extra N at the end. It's a little extra. Yeah. just, just
1: a little, little extra. extra. <laughs> and, and, and no E on the bridge. And I, I have to say that like about 100 oh, a hundred times a Oh, I love that. That's a catchy way to
0: say it though. I appreciate it. Um, y'all go get that wealthy woman checklist, like immediately. What are you doing with your lives? Stop driving, pull over, get the checklist. I'm just kidding. <laughs> don't, don't stop driving, but everything will be in the show notes. And so you can access it easily and immediately because this is the year, my friends, it is 2022. We are not fucking around anymore. Mm-hmm. We have to get our lives together, as Cody says on my Peloton. Heck
1: yes. Wealthy women will change the world. That's what I live for. That's what my work is all about. And so anything I can do to support that, I'm here for. Ah,
0: oh, Erin. Well there's no that's a mic drop moment. There's nothing else to say. <laughs> there's nothing else to say. Thank you so much for being here. Yes. For my lovely listeners, you know what I'm going to say. Time is the one thing you cannot make any more of. And so I'm always very grateful that you spent it with us. We will see you next week. Same time, same place. Bye for now, friends. Thanks for listening to Talk with Renee Dallow. Dive into the show notes at reneedallow.com forward slash
1: podcast and connect with Renee at Talk with Renee Dallow on Instagram.